From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. One of the things that I have found that so many managers don't know about their employees' home lives. They don't know how many kids they have. They might have worked with somebody for six years, and unless those people were pregnant in the time that they had employed, they don't know how many kids they have or how many in-laws or how many grandparents. You know, that's one of the things I think is really important to engage with your staff in a very basic way. Uh, You've got four kids at home. How are they doing? Are they back at school? How's it been going for them? You know, what can we do here at work for you that maybe we didn't think about before? Your employees will tell you what they need if you ask them and really give them time to answer. That's Sharon Jinchansky talking about how managers can truly engage with their employees in a post-pandemic world. We'll hear more from Sharon in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Spend more time doing what you love, caring for patients, and less time on clinical documentation. Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, captures the patient story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care for increased efficiency and patient throughput. Discover how DAX provides a better patient experience and eliminates afterward documentation. Visit nuance.com DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligent solution can transform your organization. Our guest today is Sharon Jinchansky, an HR expert and a consultant with the Britton Kalish Group. Sharon's here today to talk about the keys to employee engagement when managing both an in-office and a remote workforce. Sharon, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, first, give our listeners an idea of your background and um, where your focus has been during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, well, so for in my really, what I want to do is to help people. That's how I live my life. And so for the last, you know, 27 years, I've been in operations and in HR and um, in healthcare systems and healthcare organizations. I'm a transplant from California to Texas, which has been a big change over the last three and a half, four years. And so when I moved to Texas, I became a consultant and I met up with the Britton Kalish Group. And I've been very, very excited to be able to commit to helping small and medium businesses really grow their business and helping them with their HR function, helping them become more organized with their training and development, the operational side of things. And that's what I've been doing. And then when the pandemic hit, we were really trying to figure out how could we help businesses really get through this? How do we help them with their resilience? What can they navigate over this time when they didn't know what was gonna happen? How could we help them with telehealth and telemedicine? And really just been really focusing on how to get through this pandemic. And so we've been a sounding board to organizations for that. We've been helping them put in place policies and procedures for the pandemic, PPE recommendations, things like that. So that's really where my focus has been the last, what, 15 months now? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So all from my home, <laughs> like everyone else. Exactly. So have there been common themes, common pain points when you've been talking to organizations, when you've been talking to medical practices that they've been looking to you guys for help? What, what have been those questions they won't answer? Yeah, I think that the first real pain point has been just the unknown. And, you know, we started off in March of last year, not knowing what was going to happen and how difficult this year would be and how long it would be. I mean, I remember in March of last year, everybody thinking, oh, this will just be for a couple of weeks. You know, the schools would send out information for the next week or closed or a spring break is delayed, but, uh, or lengthened. But I think the unknown has been the biggest pain point for everyone. And that goes from, you know, what do we do about the unemployment claims? What do we do about the FMLA claims? What do we do when one of their family members we find out has COVID, but they don't? And how do we handle testing? I think it's all of those have been really difficult for medical practices and every business. I don't think there is a business that's immune to this. Even grocery stores have been trying to figure out what to do and how to handle all of this. And I think that what we have seen is that uh, people don't always have the right resources. They're not getting the right information. And it's been really great to partner with these companies to help them manage it and help them wade through the information and get through to what they need to do for their employees and for their businesses. Okay. So you are going to be part of a uh, human resources certificate program. Um, MGMA is offering this program to members and non-members. It's going to be live uh, June 15th and 16th. So give us an idea, give us an idea of what you're going to be talking about. I know that you're talking several times over these couple of days, but just so we can have a focus here today, let's talk about the um, employee engagement session. What can people expect to learn there? Well, I love talking about employee engagement, which a lot of people would say, in certainly in small to medium businesses, they would say, oh, that's just my employee satisfaction level and how happy they are. So I, I'm excited to talk about employee engagement because I think it's so much greater than that. And, and it might be a piece of that, but it is so much greater than that. So I think that it's really important to define what is employee engagement. And so what will we be talking about? We'll talk about, you know, what does that mean? And I think that for the listeners out there, what does that mean right now? A little preview of what that means is that it's, you know, how committed, how connected our employees are to our business, to our medical practices. And really, I think that right now it's even more important than ever because we have so many people struggling. And for so many people, work is their salvation. Work is where they need to go to get away from this, you know, crazy at-home school and the craziness of their home lives. And so I think when we're talking about employee engagement, we will be talking about, you know, how to be real with our employees. How do we use what we know to be employee engagement, which is, yes, customer satisfaction, increased loyalty with our customers, our patients. How can we outperform where we used to be? And it really, it boils down to, if you have happy employees, you're going to have happy patients and satisfied patients. And so when I'm talking about employee engagement, I'm really talking about how do we get our workforce, how do we get our employees, our teams to function at a high level where they are really engaged? I mean, if you're talking about Gallup is one of the satisfaction survey organizations, one of the organizations that's monitoring employee engagement, and they have a lot of tools to do that. What they're saying is that 87% of people are not engaged at work. 
that is a staggering number or true 87 percent is that now or is that normally is that 87 percent yeah that actually is from a couple of years ago the okay. most recent data is from okay. a couple of years ago i would i will be very interested to see what the numbers are for this year uh, right. for 2020 uh, they haven't been released yet but if we're talking about how difficult it is to get your employees engaged before the pandemic how much harder is it going to be now mm -hmm. when they have these worries that they've never been faced with before and we haven't seen something like this in 100 years so how are people going to come back to work and really be focused and engaged mm -hmm. in a way that they haven't been before and that's yeah. a i think that's a really interesting conversation yeah, one of the interesting things, I've seen some different data points, some different early, early research where in some cases productivity has gone up, but that doesn't mean engagement and feeling part of the team is necessarily, they're not uh, twins there, so to speak. They don't necessarily have to track each other is that something you've seen as well or have you seen any of those studies uh, as far as productivity versus this engagement or lack of engagement as far as feeling part of a team because there is that isolation in certain instances yeah i, th I don't think that we can I, I don't think they're analogous i don't think that you can say somebody is engaged and so therefore they have higher productivity yes that usually goes hand in hand but the reality is, is if you're not engaged, um, you could still be busting your butt at work. You're still churning in paperwork. You're still doing the charting. You're still meeting with your, your staff. You're still doing your teamwork and you're still part of the team. I, I don't think that they um, are exclusive. I think that what we need to do is figure out how do we actually relate to our employees and how do we engage with them? And I, I personally think that it is very much about relationship building. Mm -hmm. It is about how do you relate if people say that one of the main reasons they leave their employment is because of their supervisors. Well, what does that tell us? And it's not just about to go get a dollar down the street or a quarter down the street. They're leaving because their supervisors don't engage with them. Their supervisors are not telling them how to do their work and not really building their skill set. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to learn. Everybody wants to get better at their job, no matter what their job is. And this is one of those ways that we can engage with our employee base in, in a medical practice way differently than we can in so many other businesses, because we're working together as a team every day for the common good of our patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've talked to some practice leaders who have experienced crisis situations, whether it be a tornado, a hurricane, something like that. And as devastating as those can be, there can be an end in sight, you know, there's a, at times a finite level of the crisis and then it's clean up, it's, you know, let's build back up. In this one with the pandemic, it just kept going and going and going. Now we're, we're getting to a point with people getting shots where there is gonna be that reintegration if you have been working remotely where uh, maybe that will be offered by companies to bring people back and then there will be stress there like, well, do I want to go back? Do I want to work from home? What do I want to do? And what, I, what we've seen, we've seen several studies that have already come out is the increase in behavioral health and mental health issues that are going on. So are there 
processes or strategies that you recommend to check in on people or to help them provide them an outlet where they can get um, the help they need, whether it's professionally or just to know that the team, their leaders care about them, the company cares about them and know that there's help for them if, if they need it. This is such a great and timely question, Daniel, because I mean, we're talking about mental health across the board. We're talking about it. You're finding this conversation, not just in workplaces, but in schools and um, in our homes and trying to figure out how, how do we maintain this mental health or how do we improve our mental health right now? And I think we're seeing a very open dialogue, more so than I've ever seen in the workplace before. So with that, of course, comes that people are afraid to talk about these things at work. We're afraid to say to our employees, how are you, you know, really? And I think that it definitely goes back to that relationship building and how you do that as a manager and a leader. And I think it also goes down to, you know, how do you really ask people how they're doing and waiting for that answer and being engaged with your workforce in a way that we've been taught not to do, right? We've been taught you don't ask those personal questions. Right. You don't really find out what's happening at home. But the reality is our employees want to talk. They want to share. And I think there's a way to do that that is a best practice that you don't need to step over the line and you're not going past the boundaries that are appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I would tell medical practices of any size, though I, the first thing is to be sincere of course, and to really ask your staff in a caring, thoughtful, mindful way, truly checking in on them. You know, Daniel, tell me, I know this has been a tough year. I've had a really hard year and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you faring? How are the kids doing? One of the things that I have found that so many managers don't know about their employees' home lives. They don't know how many kids they have. They might've worked with somebody for six years. And unless those people were pregnant in the time that they had employed, they don't know how many kids they have or how many in-laws or how many grandparents. You know, that's one of the things that I think is really important to engage with your staff in a, in a very basic way. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got four kids at home. How are they doing? Are they back at school? How's it been going for them? You know, what can we do here at work for you? that maybe we didn't think about before. Your employees will tell you what they need if you ask them and really give them time to answer. You know, a lot of managers will do it just for lip service, but if you do it in a sincere and caring way, you're gonna get an answer that will help your employees in the long run. Mm -hmm. And then acting upon, of course, what they say is the most important thing. But if you're just saying, hey, how's it going? And you're not waiting for that answer, Right. You're failing your employees. You're failing this opportunity to truly engage with your employees in a way that's meaningful to them and makes them feel like they're wanted, they're needed, they're important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we used to years and years ago, I used to keep an index card box. Do people, I don't even know if people know what index cards are anymore, <laughs> but, uh, but now I keep it on my phone in my notes uh, category on my on my phone and I'll type in people I encounter, how many kids they have, what did they tell me, where they went to school, where they grew up. And then before I meet with those people, I'll remember, you know, so that I'll always be engaged with them when I see them later. And I think that um, that's not because I wanna kiss up to them. It's because right. I wanna show them that they mattered to me and what they said mattered to me and what their interests are matter to me. And when I was uh, the VP of HR for a health system, I knew people's names. I knew their families' names. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that showed, it showed in many ways. It showed in all of our KPIs and our indicators, our metrics. It showed really with our numbers. And that's right. where you can put, you know, you, you put the meaning behind it and you can prove when you engage with your workforce in a meaningful way that it actually helps the business overall. Yeah, you bring up something really interesting. In, uh, I think it was January of this year, I took a two-day leadership um, course online and one thing really stuck out to me that the leader said was, you know, if you're talking to, these were managers, and so they were giving us some skills when we talk to people who report to us, and, um, and, and how we communicate with other people in the organization. And the leader of this program said, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it really stuck with me because you know, we've all had somebody walk up to us and go, Sharon, how you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And then you say that you put it out there and then, you know, somebody says that to you and then you look up and they're like looking at their phone or something like, did you mean to actually ask me this question about the kids or about the whatever, or, you know, what's going on here? What is your thought on that? Like, how do you, because we're talking about employee engagement and it seems false if somebody says something but then you look up at them make eye contact and you can tell they really aren't paying attention to what your answer is yeah i i love i love that idea of you know the phone being at their face and Mm. because you can see it right everybody who's listening to this can absolutely see what people are saying and uh, we all know that we all look at our phone constantly. It is an appendage and it would be so much, if those Google glasses actually worked, that would have been awesome. Um, <laughs> because the reality is, is that we're all just stuck sitting on our phone. And right. I'm certainly guilty of it all the time too. I, I just recently, this, this, this just yesterday was at my old workplace in Los Angeles and went to visit for the first time in four years and i remembered so many people and remembered their families and i was i surprised myself by how Mm -hmm. many people i remembered and how good it felt to be there and to really i mean i keep using the word engage but i don't i don't know another word but i really met those people where they were right so you know i would they're not they're not a touching facility yet so there's no hugging okay and no shaking hands no touching at all so for me, it was just the eye contact, staring mm-hmm. at that person and saying, hey, how is Sylvia? How is she feeling? The last time I saw you, she was this. How's it going now? Right. And I didn't carry my phone. I put my phone in my purse and I left it in an office. And I made a commitment that for those three and a half hours I was there, I was going to really give those people love because they've had mm-hmm. such a tough year mm-hmm. and, uh, and they're not allowing a lot of visitors. So I got special approval to be there as an essential worker. And it was a really wonderful experience because I could say to them, I know it's been a hard year. I know you, what you've been through and I'm here to say thank you on behalf of the industry, on behalf of HR people. And not just your regular people, but I'm still here. I'm still here for you. And I heard from several employees yesterday about how good it felt just to have someone look at them. And now we're so forced to look at just people's eyes. You can't watch their mouth for what their, mm-hmm. you know, their movements are. You really have to engage with them in a different way with these masks and the shields and the full PPE and it gave me a different perspective than I've had the last year, simply because I was on the, you know, 
the ground with them rather than watching them via Zoom while I've consulted over the year. And that was, that was really fun to get to be with them and to really give them their props. Right. And I think that they felt that and they talked about how, um, and when one of them wanted to take a picture of me, I was like, oh, I don't have my phone with me. So can we, can we use your phone? And so they knew that I was really there for them. And, mm. I, and everybody can do that. It is, yeah. it is not um, unique to me. It is available to everyone, but people have to recognize that we, the only way to get employment involvement, employees to be involved is to be involved yourself. Mm -hmm. And it starts with you. And I think that people are afraid to do it. People think they do it. And that is the biggest problem is when people really think, oh, I do this. I'm a great manager. I do that all the time. But if you ask your employees, they would probably say, uh, no, I don't think she does that. I don't think he does that. Uh, maybe he thinks he does. Or yes, we had a meeting, but the meeting, we didn't get anything out of it. So I think that those are the kinds of things that people you know, believe highly of themselves. Right. In, incorrectly. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something that we were talking about earlier. We were talking about this intersection of, you know, it's kind of the compliance side of it, but it's what we're seeing and what you talked about earlier was how, if anything else, this pandemic has helped a lot of people really open up, have conversations, have a vulnerability that maybe they didn't have prior to that. But if we are getting into some pretty personal stuff, you know, blurring that line between work and personal life, maybe it gets into mental health, behavioral health, something like that. Is there something from a compliance side that we do need to be aware of, need to be careful of? What, what is a best practice or best advice you'd give us so we don't cross any lines there as well? That's such a fair question because I think that um, it can be scary when you do cross that line and maybe something comes back at the business. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to have that happen to them. I, for me, I think that we need to respect confidentiality. We need to respect HIPAA. And if that conversation is done in public and something goes a little sideways, then first and foremost is pulling that conversation into a, a private area. So that okay. people aren't feeling like I need to talk about my health issues in front of everyone else. And I see that a lot with managers and leaders where they'll just do it in the hallway or they'll do it at the nurse's station, they'll do it in a charting room with other people charting. And that is a very big mistake. Mm -hmm. So I would say first and foremost is have those kinds of conversations privately as much as possible or with maybe another, you know, another employee with them, but um, who's their buddy or with another manager really thinking about what type of level of privacy you need once mm -hmm. that conversation goes sideways. Um, I, I think that if you do it from a helpful place and not a, I'm asking you because you're failing at work place, right. then, um, then it's going to be positive. If you ask, you know, Daniel, I know that, you know, your grandma wasn't feeling well, how, how's that going? And is there something I can do for you? Do you, you want to talk about it? I think asking those kinds of questions is fully compliant and that's okay. okay. It's what the employees share with you. It's if you then start talking about that information publicly and with other employees, you're going to get yourself into hot water. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I would tell uh, a manager is to, you know, do you have people on standby to help employees when they're having trouble? And do you have an employee assistance program? They are relatively inexpensive. 
Um, you can certainly get them for under $1.50 a person per month. Um, so that's a relatively reasonable option that you can have as an employer to offer assistance to your employees. The other thing is, you know, talking to your employees about do they need time off? Do they really need that time off? And have they talked to their doctor? So often in medical practices, we see the employees see the physician in the practice. And when things start to take a mental health turn and people are having difficulty, is this the best place for them to get care mm -hmm. with people with, when they know them? And I would recommend that they seek care elsewhere because you don't want to get into that situation where now you know so much about this person, you know what type of antidepressants there are, right. they're on. That gets a little fuzzy. And I would, as an HR person, I would recommend they you know, seek seek guidance elsewhere. So those are some of the things I would say to do right off the top of my head. The other thing that you could do is really be prepared as a manager and a leader to have, you know, what type of websites offer assistance nowadays. So there's some great websites out there that have therapy online where you can do them on Zoom and they're very affordable for people who don't have insurance. You know, so many medical practices aren't offering insurance. So that's something that could be offered. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody should be equipped with that information to be able yeah. to help them. Yeah, you make some good points there. And you brought up something that I limited it to mental and behavioral health, but it's health issues. You know, if someone yeah. does um, develop an illness of some type, you know, that's can be very private stuff, you know, depending on who the person is and maybe what the illness is and how they feel about it. And yeah, you wanna be able to offer that help, but thank you for including any kind of physical ailments or illnesses as well in that. So I want to go to something else here that uh, we've communicated back and forth about, and it's really talking about something you're going to bring up in your session in June. And let me make sure I get this right. So you say that uh, you talk about employee engagement and you bring up employee involvement strategies that caught my attention when I read that and I had to go back and go, huh, what, so what are those first? Let's just define what is an employee involvement strategy and then expand on that and tell us what does that look like in action, maybe at a medical practice or at another organization? What does it look like? Sure. Yeah. So employee involvement, I think is really uh, at its basic core level is exactly what it says, employee involvement. So one of the things that I have found, uh, not only in consulting, but in my own working past history, is that, that so many employees don't know what they're really striving for. You know, are we making a buck for the doctor? Are we helping the private business? What are we getting out of it? And so many of us in this healthcare field are here because we have a calling, because we want to do good by people, we want to help people. And how do we relate that to our employees? And how do we, you know, really, really work with our employees to maximize that as much as possible? So one of the things that I like to stress a lot is education mm -hmm. and increasing the skill set. I think that education and training is for me, the most important thing for the employee involvement strategy. I think that we do a, a, a less than satisfactory job of engaging with our employees in a way that really truly enhances their skill set, gives them more tools, and helps them do a better job at their job. I think that we unfortunately assume employees are getting their education elsewhere, 
Um, they are, we're sending them to some trainings. We have an online training, but what are we doing as the manager to really enhance that training? So I want to involve the employees in developing what is our educational outlook look like for the next year? What are we doing to really get them to increase their skill set? That is one way, not only to improve employee engagement, but just to get them involved, really, they're going to be very excited. They may hem and haw at first. They're going to be like, oh, I don't really want to do this, right, at first. <laughs> yeah. But over time, education is the way to get employees really involved in the workplace. Developing them, it shows that you're giving them the time that they need. And, and without it, I think the employees are lacking in that true connection to their employer. Because that, if you're investing in your employees with education and development, then you're investing in those people who are then investing in your patients. Okay, okay. Did that so answer your question? It does, it does, and it leads to the next thought here. So you put these strategies in place, how do you measure it? What are some of the key performance indicators, some of the metrics? What do you look at to go, okay, okay, we've, we've put in these employee engagement strategies and they're working or uh-oh, they are not working. So right. how do you figure it out? What do you do at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know, KPIs and, and key performance indicators and metrics, and then they run the gamut, right? You okay. could, I, I could talk you through a number of them. So I'll just give you some of the, the top ones. I think they're really easy to do for medical practices right off the bat. So first I would look at what, what, it, what does your absenteeism look like? Okay. You know, outside of COVID, what does it look like? You know, right mm -hmm. now as we're coming back and things are, and, you know, it may not be the best indicator right this moment in time. But overall, I think that if you have people who are calling in and, and taking time off unnecessarily, that that is a good indicator of an issue okay. with your employment, with your employees. The other is if you're cycling through employees, you have high turnover, you're going in and out with employees, your turnover is high, and you're turning over employees in the first few months, like th the three to six months, within 90 days or six months, you know you have a problem. Mm -hmm. That is an employee engagement issue. And that, that's something I always want to look at. One of the best ways I think is a great KPI is when you have openings, are your current employees recommending other people? Hmm. And okay. are they giving you referrals? If right. they're not, they all know people in this industry, right? Yeah. We all know people in this industry. If they're not referring people, why are they not referring? <laughs> and that has, that, that means something's wrong in your practice. They don't want people to come work here. They're not recommending your practice out to people then there's something that needs to be fixed within your practice as that, that a very clear indicator to me. Mm -hmm. Sure, you could do satisfaction surveys, retention surveys, all of those. Um, I, I find that so many medical practices don't follow up on that information that sometimes, you know, if you're going to do it, you really have to commit to changing what okay. they tell you and getting that feedback. Because if, if you're the, the practice administrator and you as an executive don't really want to know what your employees are saying, do not do a satisfaction survey or a retention mm -hmm. survey because then they're going to say, well, it was a point, gave you information. This place doesn't really care about me and they're not doing anything with it. And that would just be a huge failure. So sure, you could do that if you're really ready to commit to the answers and to make change. I would say do that. 
um, or doing a customer survey, customer satisfaction survey. If mm -hmm. your Google scores or your doc scores are not, uh, you know, you constantly are reading, well, I love the doctor, but the office staff are really difficult to work with, or every time I'm there, there's a new nurse. Those are things to really think about. They're reflections on your employee base, and those would be good indicators as well. Mm -hmm. The other thing you could look at are safety numbers, and are you having a lot of safety issues? Yeah, are What's, you what are safety numbers? What are safety yeah, numbers? Yeah, so like, are you looking at workers' comp issues? Do you have oh, a lot of okay. workplace industries? Do you have okay. a lot of needle sticks that you know people are not? Uh, I know it's such a funny. <laughs> I don't mean to make you laugh, but you know if you're having, um, you know, with the the amazing needles they have now, but you're sure. you still have needle sticks, right? Okay. If you're having um, falls in your workplace, what are we doing to follow up on those? Hmm. What? How are we? Um, what does that look like? Because the reality is, is that if you're having the same things over and over again, there's something wrong in your workforce. There's something wrong in your workplace. And those are things that people don't always think about that actually does relate to employee engagement. And you see it a lot actually in doctor's offices because in medical practices, if you have people who are falling at the workplace, well, is it because their scrubs are too long and nobody's explained the dress code? Nobody's okay. really engaged with them about what does your daily work life look like? What does your job on a daily basis look like? Um, if you're walking from room to room really fast and you're wearing open-toed shoes, then you're going to stub your toe and hurt your toe on that carpet. And that hurts. And then you're going to be out for a day. You know, uh, Those are very, very basic ways to measure engagement. That is so interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that anecdote, those, those examples for us. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Sharon. Thanks so much. And we're going to have you on here again someday soon. Thank you. I love, I love talking with you, Daniel. Thanks so much. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Sharon Jenchansky. And thanks to Nuance for sponsoring this week's show. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution, can transform your organization. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA. Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.